welcome to our first interview for Beyond the Sport. When I first had the idea to do this podcast, I ran the idea by one of our local coaches, and he gave me the name of someone that he thought should be my first interview without hesitation. Brett Tutter, I have watched him play football and run track for the last couple of years. He's had an amazing high school athletic career, but I didn't know much about his walk with Christ. But after one of the games one night, I asked him if he would like to come on my new podcast and talk about his faith. Without hesitation, he said he would love to. Well, fast forward a couple weeks, and I got to watch and listen to an FCA presentation that he gave, and it was then I knew why he needed to be my first interview. Well, welcome to my studio, Brett. I am really happy to have you here, and this is really neat because I've watched you play football for the last couple years, and you've actually got a really great athletic career going. You um, have been to the state championship in football and track in multiple events in track and quite an illustrious career. Yes, ma'am. So, something to be proud of. But we're here to talk about beyond the sport, so let's get into that. When I first broached uh, Coach Mathis with this idea, he suggested that you be my first interview. I didn't know why, no clue why, and um, he just suggested it, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll make that my first interview, and I asked you, and you said yes. And a couple weeks ago, I watched a film of you giving a talk to some high school athletes at the FCA meeting you had, and I was blown away. And at the end, I was even more blown away at how you have this grasp, this knowledge of the gospel, and you were able to explain it above and beyond. And at the end, you said you were a new Christian, and I was just so blown away. But it was an amazing talk you gave to them, and I was, that convinced me, you absolutely have to be my first interview. So, Brett Tutter, we want to learn about you beyond the sport, in this case, sports, plural, for you. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up, and what kind of household you have, and what got you into sports. Yeah, so um, I've been playing sports all my life since I can remember, and uh, I grew up in Rockingham County, North Carolina, and so we moved here, I think when I was in fourth grade, so I guess it like switched between growing up here and or there and in Brock and stuff like that, and then um, just since I can remember, I've always had a football in my hand, I've always been running and all that stuff, so it was kind of just like natural that I play sports, you know. And then, so, and of course, my parents also pushed it that we play sports too. And then, so, just got into sports pretty easily. And then, um, yeah. Brock's a pretty good place to come for sports. Uh, so you get in, you're playing football, you're playing track, keeping out of trouble because that keeps you pretty busy. And uh, seems like you're on a team with some pretty close teammates the team seems to bond pretty well every year with each other that i see and then of course on the relays and stuff that i know you're individually in the hundred but you've been on some relays and you guys always seem the boys always seem to bond really well together and 
merge together really well on the field. So as you're growing up in Brock, either on the field or off the field, did, did you um, have any models for Christianity first off in your home? Um, yes. I mean, like, since I was little, my parents have always read, like, Bible stories to me and stuff like that, you know. And then, uh, so I always grew up in a church. Always grew up in a church. And so um, I didn't really learn what it meant to have a relationship with God until late into my life, not not too long ago. But I, but I always grew up, like, inside of a church. I was always there. We were always there on Sundays. We were always there on Wednesdays. We were there for... Um, what is it called? Like Christmas the, Eve service yeah, and, and all that stuff. And so, I mean, we were always there. And so, but I didn't really learn what it truly meant to be a Christian until I later, until I was older. Okay. I think that happens to a lot of people. Um, they go to like VBS and they accept Christ in their heart. Of course, you know, they're seven and 10 and 12 and sometimes even 13 or 14 year olds or even some kids at an, a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting mm -hmm. will accept Christ, but then there's nobody pouring into them and there's yeah. nobody um, helping them to grow. So you kind of come up on this, well, are they really saved? Do they really know what they're doing? Yeah. And have they left the old behind and embraced the new heart and started to have a relationship with Christ? So you're going through life pretty much as a christian but not really understanding the whole concept of the gospel and what it meant okay and um i'm sure your parents modeled that pretty well for you though regardless of whether you grasped it or not mm -hmm. um now when you get into school everybody wants to do clicks and do things and um be a part of a group yeah. And of course, you're part of a football team, and then I'm sure you've got your group of friends. And um, do you, you see things? Well, I'm sure you do. <laughs> but for you personally, what do you see that affects you as a Christian in school, in life, on the field even, or on the track that you have to weigh your faith against do you i mean do you have those moments where you have to make those decisions um yes so i mean don't call out any names please <laughs> so, when you're in a locker room and you're in school of course you're, you're surrounded by sin i mean it's yes. everywhere i mean like i mean anywhere you go out into town you go out anywhere i mean you see it everywhere yeah and so that can also be tempting at times is to join in with that you know be and part of the group. Yeah, be part of that group who's going out and doing this certain thing, going out and doing those things. And so that's when you just you just have to rely on the Lord. I mean, you got to trust Jesus. And you're like, although I might want to go out and have fun, I might want to go out and hang out with them. Although I might not be doing that stuff, it's not good as a Christian to surround yourself with evil. Well, what you're surrounding yourself is what you're ultimately taking in mm -hmm. and ultimately what you're going to partake in. Yes. So, um, I mean, if you're hanging out with people that are just doing drugs eventually you're gonna fall into yeah. that world and um so you know you make those decisions and i'm sure that's hard because it's probably left you out of some things with other people um when you're uh playing sports tell me how your life of your christian walk affects you when you're out on whether it's the practice field or 
in the game. Uh, I don't say it really affects anything, but it does. It does change like a lot of things. You go like when you when you pass from death to life and all that stuff, and you go from old to new, and you're you're washed in the blood of Christ. You start to find yourself almost like falling away from certain things. So like you don't want to be you don't want any part of anything that's going on like in the locker room. It's mainly in the locker room. So I mean like you you hear a lot of stuff, you see a lot of stuff, and you just like you don't want to be a part of it anymore. You know, and so. You learn to surround yourself with good people. You learn to like surround yourself in like in like you're covered in Christ. You're you're trusting Christ. You're trusting His process. Mm-hmm. So you just you start to fall apart. You're not not apart, but you start to drift away from that crowd that is doing all that that is sinful and doing all that stuff. You know. Yeah. Um, have you? had to have you had to struggle with that or is it something that that the separation and the the walking away the the turning away from is it been a struggle at times or is it something that you feel the holy spirit has helped you navigate well Mm -hmm. so of course you do have jesus on your side telling you that this is wrong but like he's telling you Hey, like, don't do that. Like, like you know that that's wrong. That kind of stuff is wrong. But it's also hard not to give in to that kind of stuff. And so when you see that kind of stuff going on, you you learn to tell yourself, hey, you don't need to be around that. You don't need to. And of course, you you have the Holy Spirit on you. He's telling you, hey, don't be involved in that stuff. Don't do that kind of stuff. And so you just learn to set yourself apart and uh, just be outside the um of what seems like it would be like the, the influence yeah, of that the influence, yeah. and um i've noticed like after the game you don't really congregate i mean you congregate as a team because you know he calls you in and uh uh coach mathis calls you in and gives you a talk at the end of each game and you guys pray at the end of each game usually and um, stuff, but I do notice that you're not in with the big center group of seniors all the time, and the group of people. You're kind of you kind of come out, do your job, and you're de- like that's your job, and you're done, and you celebrate and you're happy, but you're not doing a lot of the antics some of the other kids on the side are doing and hanging out. And do you find that when you're out there that you're having to make conscious choices sometimes? To avoid certain situations that come up I, I mean I'm on the sidelines right now with Taylor doing filming and um, it doesn't matter if I stand on the Brock side or the other team side I hear all sorts of things mm-hmm. and it, it extends from the stands down to the sidelines <laughs> but um, how does that affect you when you are hearing those things whether it's you're on the field and it's coming from a teammate another team player or a player on the other team um you you hear fans i mean i one of our last games i I went to i was photographing and i couldn't believe some of the things i was hearing from the fans up not on our side thank goodness but yeah it was uh very very intense and i was like wow i mean there's there's crap talking on both sides, of course. I mean, like, and it's hard, like, being a Christian, like, 
like when you make a good play, you knock someone down, not to just get in their face and just start start going at them, you know. And so uh, that would be my temptation, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so, uh, and so you just gotta you gotta learn to just ignore it, just let it go through one ear throughout the other, you know. And so, I mean, just just take what you know as a Christian, uh, put it into your own life, to your own perspective. And then use that in your day to day life, even if it is in sports. Of course, in in sports, it's hard. It's hard not to get fired up. Not of course, like there's a good way to get fired up, good yeah. way to get amped up. But it's hard not just to control yourself. And so you just have to learn to like with all that going around you, with all the people who are talking crap to you. Like you just have to learn to just turn. Like if someone like it, it talks about it in the Bible, where if someone's to slap you on one cheek, you turn your face and slap you on the other. And so, I mean, you just have to do that in all aspects of your life, even yeah. sports, football, track. I mean, track is not really a crap-talking sport. Oh, so. it is. Trust me. <laughs> I remember the girls. Uh, girls come, might but, be a different story. Yeah, <laughs> girls are definitely. Um, we were fortunate. Um, the girls on the team mm-hmm. were very cohesive. It yeah. wasn't a drama team, luckily for us, with the girls or the parents. But I remember being at one track meet, and the girls were for one of the relays talking smack and yeah. Tori just goes, guess we'll see. And then she walks by at the end, boom, mic drop. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I appreciate that there was no trash talk, yeah. but one of the things I did appreciate and um, we're very fortunate living in Texas is the prayer. I did. I do recall a lot of times seeing the girls, four of them especially huddled together before the mile relay. And then I also do remember times where they had other teams that they were competing against with them in that huddle. And that was very, I don't know, just, it was like earth shattering, like in a, just, you're proud of your kids, you're proud, you know, you're excited for them that they're doing that. And they're doing that before they even go to the starting line and that they're including other people and just that that's where their heart was at. And so, yeah, there's, there's trash talk on the girls side. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of probably different than the guy's side, but uh, um, girls can be vicious. Yeah, in track, I usually just make friends with everybody, like from different schools and all that stuff. I just go up and just start talking to them. And then I like track because it's more of a laid back sport. I mean, like, you're yeah, not, it's not always just head to head. You're banging heads all the time. It's just like you go up there, you talk to them, they fire the gun, and you run. You know. Yeah, and you're so, done. I mean, yeah. that's your moment. And yeah. football, you know, there, there's that aggression for. 48 plus minutes yeah. it's re- it's almost two hours by the time you do halftime and timeouts and and so many emotions in football yeah, yeah i've yeah. seen that um luckily you know you've been able to come out on the positive side of the emotions for the most mm-hmm. part um down to the end and but i want to back up a little bit before we jump towards the end um so you were saying earlier that you grew up in a christian home and i jumped right into the sports because I love sports, um, but this is more important. You grew up in a Christian home, but you didn't have, you know, the full grasp. When did you start getting that? So, um, so when we moved to Texas, we didn't really have a church that we went to all the time, and so it, it took forever for us to find a church. And then so when I started dating my girlfriend, her dad is the happens to be the pastor at. Will Park Baptist. Okay. And so I always thought that if you live a good life, you know, and like you make a few wrongs here and there, like you'll end up in heaven. 
when at all okay. that is not what the gospel teaches <laughs> and it talks and like the main thing is justification by faith i mean you go into romans it talks about it all the time it says for all has sinned and come short of the glory of god being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in just that is in christ jesus yep. so because he died on the cross for us he paid that that uh punishment that we should deserve but he paid it for us and because of that we're allowed to go into heaven and then so I didn't learn that until I asked Brooklyn, and so that's that's my girlfriend. And yeah. so when I asked her one day, and we had just gotten done. I'm like, "Hey, how do you go to heaven?" You know, I, I asked her, and she said, "You got to know that you're a sinner. You have to know you can't save yourself. You got to know that Jesus died for you on the cross. You got to ask Him to your heart." And I mean, it's it's that simple. And yeah. a lot of people think it's a lot more confusing than that. I mean. And they so, can't wrap their head around yeah. how simple it is. It's exactly. like there must be something yeah. I have to do. And so that's that's the devil talking to you. He'll, he'll sit there and you know, he'll, he'll chirp. Oh, he does. And he'll say, yeah, it's not that simple. I mean, after I got saved, like I, I mean, I was like a couple weeks after. And it's called, uh, it's, I mean, uh, and so, I mean, he's just sitting there. He's like, yeah, that was too easy. He's like, one prayer is not enough for you to go to heaven. So then you're praying it again. And so, yeah. There's actually a book, uh, Stop can't remember the name of stop praying to be saved stop i'd have to go back and look it up but it's basically for people that keep doing that yeah. over and over and it's a, like it happened it happened multiple times for me and then so you know, i told myself at that time I'm like i'm not gonna listen anymore i'm not gonna give into it and so i told myself right in there i'm done with that and so that spiritual warfare stopped after that and so i like I know that I'm saved now. Like, yeah. the, it's like being saved is one thing, but knowing that you're saved is another thing. And so you know that you're saved when you the Holy Spirit talks to you. You're a changed person and you are and you are now a part of the like children of God. You're now adopted into His family. that family. Yeah. And so right after salvation, that's when the adoption happens. You are now adopted. And this and this happened Fairly recent mm -hmm. for you, actually, yes, according to the la uh, the video I watched. Yeah, it was uh, February fifth, twenty twenty three. It was the day I got saved, best day of my life. Yeah, I can second that. Yep. It is an amazing feeling to say I want to be a child of God and be part of His family. And you're right; so many people. I, I must do something to earn it. There must be something more, and they can't believe that it's a free gift if you just put your trust. His grace is amazing. His grace it is enough. Is enough. It's sufficient. Yeah. It's enough. It's beautiful, and there's nothing that you can do that can equal it or achieve it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people continue to think. Well, I'm a good person. Um, I don't do this. I don't do that. And we as humans tend to categorize sin. Well, murder is worse than stealing a glue stick. Mm -hmm. but, but God doesn't look at it that way. Sin is sin. Sin is sin and um, it separates us from a holy God, yeah. which is what we try to explain to people and say this is why you need the Savior to do that. Because if not, I'd be spending all day at the temple sacrificing pigeons and goats and sheep. I would never get any work done. I'd be a bloody mess. The priest would be a bloody mess. And uh, we'd be out of birds and sheep and goats. So um, I, for one, am definitely thankful because it's a sacrifice I'd be making daily. Oh, yeah. For sure. And 
it's something that I know can take hold of you. So how does this guide you through your sports? You said it, it, it's helped you step away from some of the negative things that can be experienced, be it in the locker room. I know when you line up on the sidelines, not on the sidelines, but on uh, offense and stuff that I'm sure there's people like, I'm going to come get you or, you know, whatever is being taunted, taunted at you. So um, how do you let your faith walk you through that and demonstrate to others or talk to others about that? So I always pray for chances where I can talk to other people about Christ. And so, of course, I'm not going to just go up to someone and be like, hey, Jesus loves you. You know, I'm not going to be that awkward person that does that. <laughs> but if you if you pray for those opportunities, God will give them to you. That he will, yeah, and, that's, that goes with that saying, be careful what you pray for. Yep. And so I, I pray for opportunities like that all the time. And then he gives them to me. And so whether it be people on the team, people outside of the team, people that are, that are younger than me, people, people that are um, outside of school, I get moments like that all the time to talk to them. And so, I mean, I make it a goal every day that I, are, that I am to uh, talk to someone. I am to go to them, tell them about Christ. And, I mean, and so God gives you those opportunities like that to able to do that. So you're not mm -hmm. just going up to them and be like, and that awkward person, that weird person doesn't go up and like, hey, Jesus loves you, but he will give you that opportunity to go up and talk to him and tell him, tell him that, tell him the gospel, tell him what can get them saved, tell him how, what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a child of God. And so I, I like to focus on that a lot, other, rather than the sports, you know. Yeah, and thus that's why you're here. I mean, sports are awesome, sports are great, but we get sports at the grace of God at the grace of where we live yep. and um, for me it's in my training even not just what you know am I going to do a race it's well sh how can I, should I be training and if right now God has told me not to train yeah so I'm sure he's kind of guided you through certain things in your own trainings if you know you want to stay healthy you don't want to get injured or if you've had injuries or disappointments, that he's helped move you through those. So as you're talking to people, you said you talked, you've talked to people on the team, how have those people um, responded to you? Uh, usually they're, they're, they'll welcome it, you know? And so usually it's people who ask me, me about that stuff. And so uh, I'll gladly tell them. And so well, your walk, your walk is obviously noticeable then enough that they want. To, what's that guy got? You know, yes, what's, what's he got going on? And then so, and that's one thing. I mean, being an example is a great thing because I mean, like you can't be a Christian and go out and live a life of sin. That's why so many Christians get called hypocrites yeah, and I mean, stuff. And uh, it's really you sad. It, you see it in Romans six where I haven't memorized, but I want to make sure I'm saying the right things. And, and it says it twice in here, where it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace mm -hmm. may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And so people think that because God's grace is so great and that no matter how many times you sin, that grace will grow, that they can go out, use that as an excuse to and go and sin. And then repent tomorrow and then sin tomorrow, again. Yeah. Yep, and if that was the case, 
I mean, you haven't changed here. There's no change. Yep, there's no there's no passing from death to life. There's no renewing of your mind. And then also in that same chapter, is in verse verse fifteen, it says, "What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid." And so, and so you see people who claim to be Christians all the time, mm-hmm. who are living a sinful life, a, like and they're carnally minded. They have no they have no idea that they're lost, and that's where it's hard. That's where it's really hard to see people like that in sports anywhere, and they're oblivious to it. Yes. And you try to talk to them, and it's almost for a moment like they want to listen. But as soon as you talk about having to give up that sin. Yep, and it's like sin is hard. I mean, sin is fun. If not, we wouldn't want to do it all the time. Exactly. And then so it's hard to give it up. It's, It's like it's an addiction. You just want to keep doing it, but and, and so uh, I was reading this the other night in Matthew, and I thought it'd be great to share with this. And it says, yeah. um, and so Jesus was around these Pharisees in the uh, Sadducees, and this one dude asked him. He said, "Master, which is the great commandment in the law?" Jesus said unto him, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment." And so when we love the Lord, we put him first. We put him first in everything that we do. So when you love the Lord and you put him first, you won't put sin first. You won't put sports first. I mean, a lot of people think that sports can't be an idol. Sports can't be an idol. You can love sports more than you love the Lord. I mean, it's true. Sports can definitely be an idol. Been there. I've had the wake-up call. I talked about that a little bit in my introductory podcast Sports can definitely be an idol, and I think in Texas, football, you know, it definitely. I mean, this is one, every place football is important, but it's, I've been in a lot of, I've lived in a lot of different places, and there's no place like Texas football. No. So I think that uh, football can definitely be an idol, but not just football. Some people, it's basketball, baseball. For me, it was running, and com- it wasn't just running, but it was competing. Yeah. Like this one and this one and this one and this one. And then when my son was in motocross, my identity was built up in that, even though I was a Christian. So, I mean, it's easy to fall into that, but we're supposed to repent. And anything that we put above God is an idol. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's like the second or third commandment, you know, of the Ten Commandments to have nobody, no other gods except him i think it's like number two Mm -hmm. so so i mean when you love god when you put him first you love him with heart mind and soul you it's it's your decision almost to do i want to take this path or do i want to follow jesus so i mean it it says in the bible that the pathway or the pathway to the gates of heaven is narrow and so are you going to are you going to choose to follow Jesus down that narrow path are you going to fall off the path into the many other paths that fall off of that path into sin or into idolization or into any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, the two song lyric titles have come to mind, and I've seen it, um, you know, and it talks about the two different paths. There's a highway to hell, and it's, you know, highways to people's speed. They're going fast. Yep. They're breaking the laws. There's a stairway to heaven. And you think about the contrast of those two methods and this one sounds like a lot of fun and we're going to go speeding down the road and do this, this, and this. 
bunch of stairs are not fun to climb. They can be hard. It's all worth it in the end. It's all worth it. You know, we've got this glorious gift of forever that outshines state championships and uh, wins and losses. And I had a recent talk with a coach that found out he had cancer. And the moment he was told he had cancer, he said he could not remember the score of one football game that they've ever played. But he sat there and went, have I done enough for Christ? Because, you know, he's told basically you're going to die. And he's like, could not remember anything about football, but did he do enough for Christ? And I'm thinking, that's where I want to be. And the answer for me probably is no. I can talk to anybody, but sometimes talking about Christ is hard. And I'm cooped up in my own house all the time. So I only see people at church, so I'm not having quite the opportunities that I could be if I left my yard. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, talking to your own family about it, it's even harder. And for you right now, you've got your family, but you've got this family of sports people. You've got a team and a coach, several coaches. And then you're surrounded by other people at school that are involved in different sports or activities or nothing at all. And you have to navigate that field. But it sounds like they see the walk that you're walking and they want to know about it and hear about it. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, your story about coming to Christ had me in tears, basically. I think everybody typed into the comment section under the video, oh my gosh, I was bawling my eyes out. <laughs> so um, I think it's a moving thing a lot of times when um, people come to Christ and they understand what it is they're doing and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them. And it sounds like you had that experience. And you said it happened in your car on the way home and that you should have just stopped right there, but you waited until you got home. And um, so was that a moment you shared with your parents? Is that a moment you just, you called your girlfriend first? Um, I immediately told everybody. Because one thing, one thing that you know that like like one sign of that you're truly saved is you're not ashamed. You're That's not right. ashamed to tell people, "Hey, I've come to Christ." If like, you're ashamed of God, He will. He will be ashamed, ashamed of you yeah. on that day. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, like I don't want to be ashamed. Like I, no. I, I wanted to go out and tell everyone. I want to be like, "Hey." I'm saying I'm going to heaven, you know, my ticket is punched and, and you know, and so, yep. I, I mean, I was just so happy. I wanted to just go and tell everybody. And so, yeah, so I went and told everyone. That's awesome. Cause I mean, it's quite different from going down at the call at the end of service. Mm -hmm. You know, of course you're kind of telling everybody then too, but you know, your moment was really private between you and God, but then yep, you've so, been sharing it ever since. Just like Jesus, I publicly identified on the cross. He was there. Everybody, everyone around saw it. We are to publicly identify with him. We are. And I think in a day where people idolize so many things, to hear stories from youth, especially your generation, who so many adults think are lost, um, we see a new generation rising up as um, Christians in the church that want to know God. They want something so much more, and they want to know God and to know Jesus and have that walk. 
And I think young athletes like you who have a platform, like with FCA, you're on a, a championship team, both in track and football, you've got the platform and you're in a small community. And of course, you're getting a pastor's daughter. So, you know, I'm sure the opportunities are a lot. And um, I know my uh, pastor's wife, every year, she's part of the Baptist student ministry at colleges. And she's one of the leaders of that in the state of Texas. And they go down to Beach Reach every year. And she sees so many lost youth on spring break. And what they do is they offer van rides. And if they're willing, yeah. they'll listen to the gospel and eat free pancakes and mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff. And just, you know, you see this stuff going on on the Internet with so many of the outrageous, crazy, non-correct things. I'll just leave it at that. But you think, gosh, our, our world is so lost. But there's a group of people in your age area that are desperately seeking the Lord, where those people are desperately seeking something and they don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. There's your age group that is seeking the Lord and has that opportunity to share it and help bring our country back into an area of faith, which is what we were founded on. And I think it's so excited when we can remember that that is the most important thing. We were put here by God to worship God. Mm -hmm. That's our sole purpose. I mean, unfortunately, we have to work and we get fortunate enough to have a house and travel or whatever we do. But our sole purpose is to honor Him and always say and do. And I, I mean, I fall short days and have to ask for forgiveness. But... That is our purpose, and it comes before sports, it comes before money, maybe even dream jobs, I don't know. Yeah, and so, I mean, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So, I mean, it's our job as Christians to go and, and tell the gospel. So, those who are trying to come to faith are, are able to come to faith because of what they heard from you and what how you can, and so, I mean, like, one of my main goals is I, I want to, I want to lead people to Christ who haven't been led to Christ. I mean, I want them to have what I have. And I'm, I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but what I have no. is great. I mean, like, like I was lost, and then when I came to Christ, my whole world flipped upside down. And I mean, I, I want to show that joy. I want to show that love, show that, that grace to everybody who comes, who comes my way, who crosses my path. It changes your attitude about so many things. Um, you've received grace, so you understand how to give grace. Mm -hmm. And it never said... You know, Jesus said, you know, it's not going to be easy, but there's still joy. And Paul talks about us finding joy, oh, yeah. even in the hard times. And, you know, you're saying you've got all that. And I can't imagine every day of your life is just, I'm having my cake and eating it too. And, you know, a little, just, celebrate, you know, but you've got, you've got that gift of God that brings you that peace and that happiness. And I don't know how we don't share it unless we're never outside our own house. <laughs> but I mean, and we're supposed to, and it's one of the greatest things that we can ever achieve. It is the greatest thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it pales by comparison to any championship or any trophy or it even, for me, it'd be my kids, you know, but it, they pale by comparison to God. The greatest thing I can do is teach them.
mm-hmm. what it means and have those discussions with them and hope that they're picking up on what I do. Like you said, not to brag, because mm-hmm. you're not bragging, but ha- you're, you're just overjoyed mm-hmm. that you want to share it. And I don't think anybody would see that as bragging because as Christians, we're supposed to be happy we're saved and share that, hey, I am saved, I am going to heaven, I, you want this, you want this, trust me. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think it's bragging, it's just, you can't hold it in. Oh, yeah. So, amazing thing. Do you have plans on maybe getting into a pastoral position or just letting God lead you to share whenever you can? Or Yep. So, I've been called into the ministry. And so, I'm going to uh, West Coast Baptist in California, actually, to go study. And, I mean, that's what I've been called to do. So, I'm ready for it. That is awesome. I did not know that. So that's really wonderful. And I scroll Twitter every once in a while following when you guys are getting accepted here and there. And um, I think that's wonderful. After I listened to you, I was wondering if you were feeling that call to do that. And um, California is going to be a challenging place. But I think with your foundation being strong, you know, you're building upon that cornerstone of Christ. You'll do really good. Thank you. So where exactly is this this um, university? It's um, Lancaster, California. Lancaster, it's okay. North of LA. Yeah, I know where Lang. I grew up in Southern California, okay. so yeah, was very excited You're to leave familiar. when I was fifteen, but I didn't get out until much later. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I know where Lancaster is. I didn't realize there was a seminary school, Baptist school there. But I think that's awesome, and um, I think it just seems it does. It seems like the perfect fit because you just want to share it. And um, that is just amazing. It reminds me of another young man I know who went to Brock and graduated 21. So he's a couple of years older than you as well. And he liked to share the gospel with whoever would listen. And he's not feeling called to ministry, though, but he's uh, done missions trips. Okay. So I think that's great. And um, just that you can take it beyond the field, beyond the track, and realize where what's important you know what comes even before football even before track even before school of course you have to go to school yes (laughs) ma'am yeah so i mean after i had that calling i mean i was like i was like really i was like you want me to go preach i was like me who can barely get up in front of 10 people without stuttering go and preach and then so and then uh i was told these words by um my girlfriend's dad, the pastor at Willow Park, he said, God doesn't choose the equipped, he equips the chosen. the chosen. And so I was like, and I thought about it, I was like, okay. I was like, I'm all in. Did you think uh, about Moses? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he kind of the same way, you want me to go talk to Pharaoh? Yeah. Yeah, so yep. things like that. I mean, he, Moses had a stuttering problem. Yeah. And, yep, he had a speech impediment, so. And, and he Moses equipped Moses, yeah, yeah, Moses to do that, you know, and then you've got... Uh, Paul, you know, persecuted all the Christians and one of the greatest people to ever fight for Christ. He, you know, God equipped him to have that change of heart and do that. So many examples like that. I mean, you got David, you got, you got all kinds of people. I mean, I mean, because if God wanted to use perfect people, he couldn't use anybody. He couldn't use anybody. None of us. I mean, we like to joke around, oh yeah, perfect yeah. Uh, but really in all reality we, if we're 
saved, we know that none of us is perfect. Yes, ma'am. There isn't a perfect anything anymore because of Adam and Eve, unfortunately. Yeah. Those darn people. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I really do want to thank you for taking this time to come in here and speak in front of camera and um, hopefully people. And uh, I don't think you have a speaking problem at all. I think God has equipped you so well for what you're going to be doing. And just listening to that one video, or no, I watched it. I didn't just listen to it, but I watched it. And I I think you're going to do very well. You've got a grasp of memorizing scripture. I can tell you scripture, but I can't memorize it. And I go, oh, I think that is... Here, I mean, you've got it. It's like Thank God you. is equipping you, and I'm so glad He's using you on the field, having you know, just people seeing that you're different and coming up to you and asking about it. And I think that is amazing. It just shows that your priorities go beyond the sport and into what counts the most, which is your eternity in heaven. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that's great. Um, if you ever want to come back, please do. Hopefully, just let me know. Join us next time for our next interview on Beyond the Sport.